2: Hello and welcome to Off The Beaten & Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Within. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. And what an episode I've got for you today. I recorded this one in lockdown uh, over the over the internet and we managed to get the time differences right. And, uh, and my guest, uh, Tiga, is uh, based in Montreal and we had a wonderful chat, uh, which you're about to hear, um, discussing um Tiga's life growing up um in both montreal and goa uh and 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 yeah and school and all the usual stuff that we talk about on this podcast and it was a it was a wonderful chat and uh and as as the podcast started to sort of unfold a lot we uh yeah we had a, a very a very similar taste in some uh some early 90s electro indie uh tracks which uh which, which was a lovely way to start to wind down the the podcast. Was the and we also chat about Tiga's podcast, um, which is, I mean, an absolute. Who's who of uh, of guests. So uh, I'll I'll just say quickly thanks to my producer uh, seventy six for producing this podcast. Um, thanks ever so much uh, to Scrooby's Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. And uh, and I'm just going to get straight on with it. Um, just quickly, though, I will say if this is your first episode that you've listened to of Off the Beaten Track, then go and have a look in the archives because um, I've I've spoken to over 150 hundred um, and fifty amazing creative people whether they be musicians, DJs, producers, actors, comedians go and, go and have a rummage in the vaults and see what you can find uh, and I do have a Patreon as well where I put up a unique episode each week over there as well you can find out all about that at offthebeatentrackpodcast.com but in the meantime let's get back to business please enjoy Off The Beat and Track Podcast with the wonderful Tiga sorry to chip in but I've got another announcement We have another sponsor. Anyone Can Play Guitar podcast. If you're in a band or an upcoming singer, songwriter, or you just want a a little look behind the scenes of how the music business works, this podcast is for you. They interview big-name guests every week, and the lads go in on topics such as how festivals are put together, the role of today's record companies, the importance of touring, marketing, songwriting, the list goes on. And wait till you hear they've had on. The Killers, Jimmy Eat World, Editors, Frank Turner, Shed Seven, as well as loads of record company execs, festival organisers and radio DJs, and loads more. Visit acpgmusic.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. If anyone can play guitar podcast. Go and check it out. off the beat and track podcast on the distraction pieces network with me stew with him uh well we are recording and sitting opposite me today via the means of uh zoom is tiger hello hi how's it going (laughs) it's going all right it's going all right so you're in am i correct montreal yes i live in montreal nice how is it out there today um, we,
0: the weather is very nice. Uh, the kind of, it all of a sudden turned really nice about a week ago. Um, before that it was miserable like usual. And, uh, well, when it's miserable, it was a lot easier for everyone to just stay inside, you know, and now that, now that it's beautiful, uh, there's a bit of tension. Montrealers are used to just hitting the streets as soon as it's nice
2: because we have this long winter, you know, so you know, it's a bit so strange. <laughs> I want to ask you, um, regarding the kind of quarantine situation that we're all finding ourselves in at the moment. How has that affected you as as a human and how has that affected you as a creative? Um, yeah,
0: obviously it's, it's been on everyone's mind now. It's already, I guess, God, it's almost three months already. Um, well, as a, as a human... Um, <laughs> I could do... Uh, yeah, as a human, I mean there's ups and downs, you know, I think, I mean, as a touring musician, uh, it's definitely, you know, it, it's a complete transformation. So sure. that's all, that's all done. Um, and, uh, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've really enjoyed having the time off and the time not traveling. That's not, uh, that's not typical. I mean, that's not how everyone feels, but obviously because I'm constantly on the road been twenty years of uh, traveling all the time, so that 's just like it 's been a chance to rest and it 's been forced upon me, which never would have happened otherwise yeah. but but obviously it 's also pretty terrifying and and everything 's up in the air, probably no shows for a year. but the shorter answer, I guess as a human uh, I find myself enjoying the challenge of it in a way, so it 's kind of like okay. The situation has changed dramatically how are you going to deal with it how are you going to how are you going to turn it into something else how is it going to change what you make how are you going to make the best of it basically
2: was that was that your mindset right from the beginning or i mean personally i i was a bit more knee-jerk in, in when we initially got told we wasn't allowed to kind of leave our homes and and i had a kind of week of just not really knowing you know what to do what the plan was i i, I run nightclubs and and so mm-hmm. my businesses were, were were closed and it was yeah. like right, what, what am I going to do and it was like okay and then for me after a sort of week you know adjusted and and then sort of looked at you know what positives I can find in this like did you was you pretty calm with it right from the off uh
0: yeah I was but you know how these things I mean these things are so personal it, it really everyone's in a different situation and it depends I think a lot on as a creative person, I think it depends on where you're at with your career, where you're at with those particular projects, Uh, maybe your age, you know, where you live, your home, you know, if you're luck, everything's completely different. If you happen to have a beautiful home or a a garden or whatever, versus if you live in a small flat, you know, the little things like that, that really change the experience for me personally, again, my initial immediate reaction was, uh, I think I was just so tired from traveling every weekend for yeah. so many years that on, on some very, very base level, I just was like, okay, this means I have to take a break and taking a break to do things that I just never had the time to do. So, but you know, I, but that, those first few weeks were so crazy that so you're scared, you're worried about family members you're you know, it was one of those, um, it was one of those crazy moments, you know, like, yeah you know, where you just, where everyone is, everyone is freaked out at the same time. And, yeah. uh, you know, now already we're talking about it with a certain sense of calm and, <laughs> but it was pretty trippy there at the beginning, yeah. you
2: know? Okay. <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk records. Yeah. So, um, Tegan, I'm going to ask you for track one, the song sure. that you regard as having the greatest ever intro.
0: Okay. I just have to say one thing. So I do a podcast called, uh, last party on earth and I ask people about records and I force people to make these brutal decisions, you know, and I, right. okay. and I'm really not, <laughs> I really like watching other people squirm, but it's, it's really difficult to choose yeah. these records. And, uh, so I guess, you know, I've gone, I didn't go too deep into the it's impossible to find the perfect one. You know, there's, there's, so I just picked ones that I love that felt really met the category, but it's, a, it's a tough ask anyway, uh, best intro. I chose, a so small town boy, which is a song by Bronsky beat. Um, but it's the 12 inch extended version, um, which has always been one of my favorite songs. And specifically, uh, that 12 inch extended mix has like just a long, super emotional, uh, build up and it's just for me it's just always been it's very cinematic and it really puts you in that mood of like i don't know i remember being young and hearing that record for the first time and the music video that went along with it was an incredible video like a very powerful video and yeah it's just one of those tracks that just it it uh, it builds and builds, and you're just immediately pulled in. Like, what is happening? What is this story? You know, and it's quite, and uh, I love it. It's very 80s, obviously, like a
2: lot of my it, selections. It, it, it is, but, um, you know, obviously the next question I'm going to ask about an emotional impact, but to just touch on something you said there, um, when I first saw that video, I'd never seen a video like that before. No, and, same. And, 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 and I think that was probably my first kind of understanding of homophobia yeah uh, and, me and too. I, I had I had no understanding uh, uh, of it I was, you know I was, I was same probably like nine or ten and and, and it was like wow and yeah and, and and I will thank you as well because as a synth pop obsessive um oh <laughs> I've never heard the 12 inch mixer phone. oh my god it's fucking it's, it's incredible.
0: Inc- it's man. incredible. It just, it, it gives it, it, that's the space you need. Yeah, the video was amazing. I, it was the first, yeah, same. It was the first time I really saw that. And I remember there's a few scenes in that video which became really like archetypes for me. They stuck with me. The scene where the father won't oh, shake the son's hand and just slips him some money. Like, yeah. I remember that really. Yeah, same. I was probably like nine years old or something. And I remember being horrified, like, so. And then when they chase him and, but then also too, I liked that it ended quite happy. You know, it ended like he yeah. was going to find his way and he found his friends and probably going to London or whatever, you know, like on the way to the big city. And, uh, yeah, but it's definitely, it's gotta be one of the best music videos ever. It's really like a little film and,
2: uh, and super powerful, beautiful song. I love it. And, and, you know, jimmy somerville's voice is so unique as well it sounds like nothing else it's it's no glorious absolutely it's really incredible yeah yeah it's it's it's
0: beautiful and that one too i mean when the chords come in right at the beginning and with the with that long mix you get time to like what's oh my god i i I still get goosebumps it's funny because so i'm a i'm one of my jobs i'm a dj obviously and it's funny because I've actually never played that record out. It's one of those ones that, like, in the in the parties of my imagination, yeah. that's always that's always happening. You know, that's being played. But in real life, I don't know why. I, I don't think I've ever. I don't think I've ever actually played it.
2: I think if I ever done these questions myself, I, I, I would go for an eighties twelve inch mix. I would go for the New York mix of Relax. Oh and yeah, just yeah. Builds and builds and builds, and it just keeps building. It and I'm, and and I'm a
0: huge, uh, huge. Frankie Goes to Hollywood fan. I think. Yeah. I think those records. I mean, Relax specifically. It's just. I don't want to say it's underrated because obviously it was like a massive single, but still, in a way, I think they're a bit forgotten. That they're, they're not. I, I know they, what you're saying. I know they you're don't saying. get. The, they don't get their full due as just yeah. just everything. The visuals, the imagery, the name,
2: the characters, the whole thing was just flawless. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and we'll take, take I, I want to ask you um, in, in regards to um, you, you've you've put um, music out for a, a few years now, and and I want to know how you've you've approached that, as, and, and and intros as well. Um, when you you know perhaps first started producing records to to more recently, have you as, as the way that you approach making music and and the intro to hook people changed as people's listening habits have changed in regards Mm. to the way that people now listen to music can you see where i'm kind of going with this question yeah well most of the
0: records i've made were made really from a dj kind of a dance floor angle so the, the the intros were a little bit more geared to the certain functionality, you know, like thinking really in terms of a DJ. So how much time to mix in, how much time before the first elements change. And mostly, I guess, more rhythmic, the idea of, of really introducing some theme like a a chorus or that wasn't really, um, that, that I haven't done too much in my music and the times that I went for a more dramatic intro, then that was, again, that probably wasn't really like the pop formula it was more sure. like the small town boy formula, which is more just, you're going for just mood, you know, this is yeah. just going to build and build and build. So I guess it was either, uh, a very functional intro, uh, to mix in or, uh, in your face, like we're going for it, mood builder, you know, yeah. and last track of the night kind of thing, you know, yeah. but yeah, I it's guess, really- I guess tracks, like you said, though, the thing, things have, uh, you know, people are trying to get that. They're trying to get that info to you immediately, uh, in yeah. a lot of tracks now.
2: But I, I, I guess that, you know, uh, 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 and, and I expected uh, you to answer similar to that, because being a DJ, I know that music is, you know, that the intros are there, you mm. know, to assist DJs, I guess. Um, yeah. You know, where, whereas, I guess, in more kind of mainstream pop music, that the mentality is more focused around radio and, and kind of, you know, hooking yeah. people. I, in general, I've never been,
0: uh, I'm not in a hurry. Mm. Is I guess the way I, I build tracks. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I'm not. You know. I'm used to. I'm fine to let things be quite minimal and quite sparse and let them build up. So,
2: okay. I'm going to ask you for track two to tell me the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please, go. Okay. Again, these are this. This is a tough one. Um,
0: So it's not like the first. Yeah. This is, well, there were, there were records that obviously made an impact on me, but the one that really, um, that I really was like, I held close to my chest in that way that you do when you're a kid was a uh, band was Yazoo or is Yazoo. And the song was, uh, nobody's diary, which I think is like 1983. So I was like, I was nine years old or eight years. I was very young and I lived in India at the time. Uh, I lived in Goa with my parents. And I didn't have, you know, back then, like, I didn't have much, like, in the way of toys or entertainment, and I had, but I had a few, I had a Walkman, and I had a few cassettes, and that track, I just played it over and over and over in my head, and I transcribed the lyrics, and I still have this piece of paper. It's crazy. And I transcribed the lyrics. I mean, I got so many words wrong. It's crazy. I mean, I had, no, I had no idea what she's really singing about. I had no idea. You know, you're a kid. But that's the beauty of it. You know, I tried to kind of figure out what's happening here. Anyway, I rolled the lyrics up in a little piece of paper. And I wore them around my neck in a, in a, in a uh, they had these things at the time for, for, I guess, windsurfers. They were like, it was a waterproof kind of amulet. I guess you could put your keys or some money in it. And I kept the lyrics to this song around my neck and walked around. It was like a scene out of the jungle book, like no, no (laughs) shirt, little kid walking around with his Yazoo lyrics, thinking he had some secret, Uh, but it was, it was uh, distinctly emotional because at that age, um, I guess as so many kids do, you know, you're just dreaming of, you know, something different, something bigger, something when you 're going to be grown up uh, away from freedom and away from your parents, and you know just kind of the but in a really nice way you know just dreaming like what 's what 's the movie of my life going to look like and and I think a lot of the time uh, pop songs and uh, they really give voice to that when you 're a kid, you know because you you don't you don 't have the vocabulary you know and yeah. you so so aison moyer and it 's funny I did a tiny bit of research for this podcast <laughs> a very <laughs> modest amount of research, but one of the but I saw that she wrote that song when she was sixteen years old. I just found that out today, which is crazy because right. so I was nine and listening to a sixteen year old girl 's love song you know
2: uh, I mean was that? That was just off the second Yazoo album, I think, wasn't it? Um, I'm not sure. It was the You and Me Both album. I don't remember yeah. if that was. I Upstairs think it was. Eric's came first, wasn't it?
0: Or was it the other way around? I'm I think sure. it's the other way around. I think. Okay. I'm not sure. But I think it's the other way around. I think, I know it was on the, because uh, I also really like that track State Farm. Um, and I think State Farm was on the other side of the Nobody's Diary single, but mind you, at that time I was a kid, I had no idea about what was a single and what wasn't, you know, you just, music just somehow it
2: falls in your lap and, and, uh, so, so how, how was growing up in, uh, how old was you when you, you, you was in Goa, how old was you when you left Goa?
0: Um, I was there, I used to spend half the year there and half the year in Montreal until I was about, uh, 11 years old, I think. So basically the fir- first 10 years of my life. How was you getting hold of these tapes and what were these tapes? It's funny you asked me that because I don't remember all of it. I guess some of it must've come from my father. My father collected a lot, had a, good, a lot of good records. Some of it will be friends, you know, friends of the parents, you know, somebody would leave a tape somewhere. But I, what I do remember was there was a, a hotel in Bombay in Mumbai. So we would fly to Mumbai first And then back then you had to take a boat to Goa or it was before they had the flights. And I remember we would stay at a hotel in Mumbai and it was a little bit like kind of your last outpost of civilization before you kind of went off grid. And I remember they had a little they had a little gift shop, like a little bookstore near the lobby and they sold tapes there. And so I would get like one tape before the season in order. And I mean, I remember I bought the first Duran Duran album, uh on cassette i mean for sure they were bootlegs i mean the volume yeah. would go like up and down and up <laughs> yeah. for sure it was some guy around back of the hotel you know making them but i I bought uh, so that's my those are the first cassettes i remember buying or get, having bought for me i don't the yazoo what, one specifically i don't know it must have been
2: uh somehow through through the grown-ups so what sort of music was you being exposed to you know by your parents and stuff like that what other stuff was going on Well, I was pretty lucky because
0: my parents were into good music and my dad, my dad had good taste and collected records always since he was a kid. And um, I guess things I was exposed to early, I was, I was pretty into Hank Williams when I was a kid. I was into some country stuff. My dad was very into rock, like Rolling Stones. And uh, I don't know, I would just say pretty general just good. He, my dad came from New York, so he was, uh, he grew up listening to radio and he had pretty good taste. Little Richard and a lot of like rock and roll classics. And then that moved to, uh, you know, the big albums, I guess the things that were in the background when you're a kid in the seventies are like, you know, Fleetwood Mac and, uh, sure. the super tramp, I don't know, you know, Rod Stewart, yeah. all the, all the, the big, the hits, you know, but, but there was a, it was good quality though. There was good. And my father was very opinionated, which I think was a good lesson for me in that you, you know, I, I like that idea of like, I like this, I hate this, you know, even if you're yeah. wrong, but I like that, that mentality to really, you kind of fight for what you think is great. You know, were you obsessed in other music at a young age? Yeah. Yeah. I got pretty, you know, I think back then it was like, that was how you identified yourself, you know, especially when yeah. you moved, when you moved into school, I mean, that was the number one thing. It's like, well, what do you like? Well, this is what I like. Okay. We can be friends, you know, that's it.
2: Yeah.
0: And it wasn't. Good, it, was, it was really music. I mean, that was uh, that
2: was kind of who you were. You know. Well, let's 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 talk school. Um, uh oh. Uh oh. For track three. <laughs> uh, uh, could you tell me the song that reminds you of your time at school?
0: Yeah. Which one? Did I pick the cult? Is that what I put and on the list there?
2: You put cult and, um, and Mode. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. I'm
0: gonna switch one of them. Okay. I'll, I'll try to talk quickly. So I picked. Uh, the cult, she sells sanctuary again, the long version. And this one's a bit strange because I'm not, I'm like, not a big cult fan, or you know, it's yeah. not, it wasn't even really my style. But I remember distinctly that for whatever reason, that was a big song at the high school, at the school dances. And I used to like go crazy to is that this high school, uh, yeah, like junior high school, you know, probably. Yeah. I guess this is like, so I'm like 12, 13 kind of thing, but sure. I just remember that that song. I was like, it was like rebellion for me. So I don't know what it was. I mean, it seems ridiculous to say it now, but I just remember that, that, that it was like my song, it would come on at a dance and I would go crazy. And like, you know, it's quite embarrassing now to think about, but, uh, it was the first time, one of the first times where I identified like power in music, you know, like, so, which is kind of lame that that's your punk experience which is she sells <laughs> but, but it's a great song you know and also again oh, the- with the intro and there's there was it was fast and and i remember again the video like i thought billy duffy looked so cool and Man, you know I don't, so you know, cool and the bassist i don't know the bassist name but i remember the bassist had this crazy haircut and i never really went for ian ashbury's kind of jim morrison stuff that was a little too too much for me but
2: uh well he, he got to kind of Sort of tick that box, didn't he? I don't know if you know, but he he ended up fronting the doors for a while, didn't he? Yes, I heard that. They've done them them, them tours. I actually saw that as well. That was quite crazy. Um, But to to touch on She Sells Sanctuary a little bit, I I think that if I put that on now, that record hasn't aged in any way, shape, or form. It still sounds so fresh. Yeah, I put it on.
0: I put it on this morning. I put it it on this morning and I was like, I was kind of playing drums and I was like, you know, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's got, it's got a real, it's definitely got a power to it. I also like too that, you know, the eighties were a strange time where you could have these weird hit records. You know, I think it's, it was, it's quite odd that that was a big international hit record, you know? Yeah. Yeah. um, And then I picked, so I'm going to take out Depeche Mode, forget them. I, I love them, but, but I'm replacing that with, in my last year of school, I went on, uh, believe it or not, because I'm quite a little guy, I went on a rugby tour of England, Scotland, and Wales. I went to a boy, a, an all-boys school, kind of like a, a, an English-style school. We had yeah. uniforms and stuff, and we went on tour. and we, So we hit London in, I guess it was 1990, and everywhere in London we went, there was this song playing, uh, this beats international dub be good to me. You know, this one, this,
2: this, I think it was Norman Cook or it, it was Norman Cook. And, um, and the vocalist Lindy Layton as he's Lindy, a really good friend exactly. of mine.
0: Oh my God. And, uh, I, I was, I had like a crush on her. Cause like,
2: Oh my God. Cause she, w- I had the we, biggest we, <laughs> okay, perfect.
0: So, cause we had never, so we, we had never seen, so we roll up into, in London. We had no idea. And everyone's wearing bomber jackets and big British knights and this song's playing everywhere. And it was really like, that was my first experience of like, okay, shit, there's like, this there's, there's cool stuff going on. And so that, yeah. that's just a very specific memory of last year of school in you know constantly that song of course i went to buy the record at tower and pick piccadilly or whatever it was and uh and that was just the theme of of everything you know that one song yeah lindy the video was great and the tank fly boss walk jam nitty good you know that that what an intro yeah, there's a there, yeah, it's an amazing <laughs> intro. I have no idea what it means, but it's a great intro. I can't believe I yeah, just she's, said that.
2: She's, she's great. She's she's come and done this podcast and uh, Oh wow, and it, that's that's and, and, crazy. And, and, and it, 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 it was bananas too. I sat there in her front room and it was like if someone would have told the fifteen year old me I'd be sitting opposite Lily <gasps> exactly. Lane in her front room, would have blown my blown my mind, mate. Would have exactly. literally knocked my British knights clean off my feet. Uh, I know um,
0: it's, it's so strange how that happens. It's those, those, (laughs) those experiences, how it does come full circle. One little tiny thing. That's an anecdote about that day. I just remembered I was into a band called alien sex fiend. I don't know if you ever heard of them. Of course. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I was really into them for whatever reason, when I was a kid at that same time, and I went to the same record store, I bought the beats international and I don't know. I, and some guy working in the shop, like I got to talking to him and he's like, well, I'm a roadie for alien sex fiend. Would you like to come to Nick fiend's house out wherever in London? Like, and I was like, no, you know, it was, I mean, I looked like I was like 10 years old and I remember being like, oh my God, oh my God, I don't think I can. But it was a, uh, it was, it was funny again, just like a real brush with London, you know, all, all your fantasies of what London's like when you're a little kid from Canada, you know. That I everywhere. mean, that don't happen, but what happened I, to you? That's incredible, man. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. I couldn't have, and he looked the part and, you know. Hey, listen, I mean, it's no mystery to you, but London was always and has remained just, just, just such an incredible place for music. It's just, it's, I mean, England in general, it's, just, it's wild. It just doesn't stop.
2: Okay. So, I mean, if you go after <laughs> school, like, did you enjoy it?
0: School? Mm. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, not, but it was okay. It was okay. What did you want to be? Um, my main sense of school was I kind of wanted it to be over. You know, I just always felt I was quite, I always had my own projects. I was very motivated, but I felt school was in the way. You know, I was, I was like, I couldn't wait for it to be over. Um, I didn't really know what I wanted to be. I, I kind of vaguely wanted to be an architect at one point. Um, I did go to university. I studied history, but I dropped out right at the end because rave, I was becoming so just obsessed with DJing and parties. And, um, I never had like a, I never had a clear, clear definition of what I wanted to be. I was quite immature. I had no, I had no idea until then. I just wanted to get into music and techno and stuff. When, when I discovered rave culture, that was all, I, I completely dropped any half-baked ideas of being a, an architect. I don't don't even know what it was. There was no, I was just lucky. I was very, very lucky. I think it's a, it's the luckiest thing that happened to me in my whole life is just, I think if you're very young and you, and you get that focal point if you can decide on something that you're passionate about when you're young you can you can be quite unstoppable you know because when you're young you just have this you a lot of kind of courage and and
2: energy and so i was lucky there was a lot of focus when i was really young and it and it was a good thing and where was that when you've been exposed to rave culture was that in it was that in montreal well at the beginning uh i mean i had seen parties in goa growing
0: up which were these kind of weird strange hippie beach parties so i guess that was a bit in the back of my mind specifically the first time was um i mean i picked up some magazines and some i had a little bit of an idea what was happening but it was really the first time was i went to a club in montreal called uh It was called Crisco and it was like the first like ecstasy club in Montreal. It was was more of a kind of gay house music club, but that was the beginning for me of like, okay, yeah, yeah, I want, I want this, you know, I want, I want to be involved in this. This is what I want, you know, and seeing a DJ for the first time too, you know, really, I was like, I want to be that guy. Like, that's what I, I'm not really sure, but I want to be there. That's what I want to be doing, you know.
2: Hello. I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I, Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is, the songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So if you want to hear the songs, just go over to Spotify and search Off The Beat and Track Podcast and you can listen to all the songs because I've put playlists up for each of these. If you can't find it on there... in each episode, so you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut up, get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. You mentioned Tower Records uh, earlier, so for track four, I'm gonna ask you the first song you remember buying from a record store. Okay, well, that yeah, that's easy. I have a specific
0: so, two categories with my parents' money and with my own money. Um, with my dad. I went to a record store, my dad and I bought Blondie, uh, parallel lines, the album, but that I was, that's super young. That's like, I, I might've been like six or something, but I do remember. And I remember what, what, what attracted you to that, the cover Blondie. What you, yeah. Blondie attracted me to that. Yeah. The cover, the cover and Blondie. And I actually remember that on the back of the record, um, there were little still photo images from, I guess, either some of the videos and, and, uh, for the tide is high. I think if memory serves, there was a little photo that I thought it looked like Darth Vader. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, maybe I'm just making this up, but I'm pretty sure there's like, I thought it was Darth Vader. I thought maybe so, so between Blondie, her look and maybe a connection to Darth Vader, I was like, this, this looks great. takes all the boxes, right? takes all the boxes. Exactly. (laughs) But with my own money, which is, I guess the real answer. I remember I went with a friend went to, I don't remember which record store. This is in Montreal. We took the bus and this is in, I guess, grade six. So I guess I'm 11 and I bought two seven inch singles. I'm only going to tell you one cause it's the less embarrassing of the two. But Come I bought, on, okay, I'll man. tell you both. I'll tell you both. This is, <laughs> this is get it. So the, the more embarrassing one was I of the tiger by survivor.
2: Well, nothing to be whatever. embarrassed I mean, about, I, you know, I'm
0: a kid and it's, it's whatever. I guess that, no, it's not embarrassing. That's how it works. You know, when you're a kid, you buy a big hit, you know, but, and then I bought this record called send me an angel by real life. I don't know, which is, I guess it, not a particularly famous eighties track, but definitely for me, that was kind of the template for a lot of the music I ended up loving, you know, very just classic synth pop, you know, little,
2: I, that, that's the first I'd, 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 have, I'd never heard that track. Okay. Um, and, and so I went and, sort of explored them a little bit today uh, they, i think i think they might australian. be australian oh, they are. Oh. Yeah.
0: i didn't know okay i didn't know as an 11 Incredible year old I know. haircuts yeah exactly exactly <laughs> exactly but you know i think when you're a kid that that period that 80s period you know it was all very it was quite futuristic it was very romantic it was like everyone looked so fancy and polished yeah. and and depending on where you grew up and what you had that really seemed like it was an escape and the sounds the sounds were futuristic you know yeah. they, they were these weird synths and anyway it was exciting
2: okay well this is a, a, an interesting question um to ask you um the song that soundtracked your years in clubland i mean your years yeah. in Clubland are ongoing, right? <laughs> it's a life sentence.
0: Yeah, I laughed when I saw the question. I'm like, no, I don't, do, you know. Well, I laughed because I, I imagined, you know, there's some people that get asked that question and they think back to like, oh, I had a three-year period crazy. where I went crazy yeah. and it was underworld-born slippy and, you know, whatever it is. But uh, Someone literally
2: said that last of week. Of course, you know, it's,
0: that's that's what, you know, for most people that is, that's it's a chapter yeah. in their life. So the the what's amazing is that it's, it's not a chapter in my life. It's just the never ending weekend, which to tie back to the quarantine, why the, why that's such a crazy thing to not be, these are the first, these are the first, since I'm 17 years old, it's the first time I haven't been in a a nightclub or a party for more than two weeks, you know, Uh, so completely the same, you know, so it's just, Uh, it's thousands of parties in a row, you know? So, um, the one I will pick is the one that really, introduced me to rave to to which was alternate the guys who wore those masks and the track was called infiltrate 202 again I remember the record store. It's funny. It's so nice with record stores. You remember where you were. So there was a, this was a big HMV or something in Montreal and they had like a little back room with some uh, imports at the time. They were called imports. Oh God. And I bought an import CD, some techno compilation and it was the second track or the first track on it. And it blew my mind. I mean, it, it completely, I listened to that record Hundreds of times. And I was, people often say like a record changed their life, but this actually changed my life. I mean, it was, it was from that moment on till today, it's just been never ending, whatever sequence of parties and DJing and, and related to that feeling. That was a big kind of, it had that real UK emerging acid house warehouse ecstasy just the whole thing and they wore those suits and they had the masks and they were talking about a party in a car park or so i don't know it was
2: just oh, awesome. that, that, that they were from not far from where i live and are they and from what, sheffield yeah. no yeah no, no, they were from stoke 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 yes um, i don't know where they, it is i've just seen it in right now stoke's actually sort of further up towards the midlands um where i live in essex like the, the London is, sur- oh, you probably know this. Anymore. Oh, you're you, from Essex. is it?
0: prodigy of Essex, yeah. right? Liam's of, from Essex.
2: Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I was literally last week I was chatting on here to, um, Nick who set up Excel about rave culture and he was kicks like a mule. Um, oh, cool. And so we was, we was chatting about this because the road that surrounds London and, and where I live is the M25, which I'm sure you've driven on when you've, when you've been touring over here. Um, and, uh, and, and that was the, the epicentre of rave culture was like these, you know, these service stations on the M25 where you'd pull up, you'd get your your little sort of uh, message and it was like, right, let's go and find the field. And yeah. and, and it was. And, and alternate would be at all the raves. And I mean, it's so, I mean, it, I'll say this with the greatest respect, but when this lockdown happened and the first time I went out, and everyone was like wearing these masks I was like it's fucking alternate man everyone looks like
0: alternate
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I still I have my
0: old one I made one when I was uh, a kid you know I, I, I copied the used fluorescent marker and I put Vicks inside and <laughs> anyway
2: <laughs> brilliant oh, imagine you, I'm just picturing you at a rave with that on man with your little uh, thing around your neck with your nobody's diary lyrics in it <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. I had the whole, it's funny how it really, it,
0: it it doesn't, it's only after a certain amount of time you look back and you realize like, you're really, you were, you were a kid. I was a kid, you know, but, um, yeah, I had the whole, I think we, we went in North America when Rave came over here. So it's a few years later, I guess it's 92 that it really starts here. And we took the fashion thing a little bit. It got a bit ridiculous, you know, the UK kept it a little bit I think it always stayed a little bit cooler. It got a bit cartoony over here. It was pretty funny.
2: It got pretty cartoony here yeah, as well, Yeah, it got man. pretty cartoony. Yeah, yeah, of course. Like, um, I, mean, uh, I mean, what about, like, did Acid House get out there?
0: Well, I guess the, well, I, I don't know about New York and stuff. For here, here, Acid House, I guess it got into the clubs, I guess, like, maybe 90 I I was too young I wasn't going out we I mean we had a big disco scene you know we had a huge disco scene and so house music in the early form was pretty big in Montreal and then I guess it started to move a little bit towards acid house and but um I don't think it really started till like 92 so it was a bit behind okay we always
2: had good parties though it was always a good Montreal was always a good party city so was you already sort of Around that time, was you starting to kind of cut your teeth as a DJ? Um, yeah, I started. Well, you know how it is. It's probably the same for a lot of us.
0: You know, you just—it was so do it. Yourself. It was so DIY at that time. You know, you just—you're like, okay, I'm a DJ, and you start by playing for your friends, and you sell some mixtapes, and you throw a party. And yeah, I started. Uh, I started in '92. Um, I mean, started DJing in '92, and I and I actually, because I was kind of one of the first here. Um, I started to get pretty big shows pretty quickly because it was like a very, you know, we represented me and all my friends. We were like the new generation and it was a big, so very quickly, I mean, within a year I was playing really, really big parties and I was kind of learning and learning in public. <laughs> was you, was you confident? Um, I was very, I was, I was annoyingly confident as a person jesus I, you wouldn't you wouldn't have wanted to, especially with regards to all that i was like a i was like an evangelist i was like a nightmare i mean i i, I was just so preaching to everyone about techno music being the future and blah. yeah i was really intense very confident Tri- driven <laughs> very extremely i was uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I I opened a record store. Uh, then I opened a nightclub. And I, w- I was throwing huge parties by the time I was 18. I, mean, I had backpacks full of money and up all night. I mean, it was just the whole... I was very much the entrepreneur as well. But confident as a DJ, um, I was confident in the tracks I was playing. I was confident yeah. that I was onto to something. Technically, no. Technically, it took a while. Um, yeah. and, and no, I remember the first shows, I was very nervous and... You know, I think technically as a DJ, it took me a while. I really, I, I, I distinctly remember, uh, praying. I'm not a religious person, but I remember, you know, this is like the kind of thing you do when you're a kid. I remember like, please God, whoever, it's probably the only thing I ever asked from God in my life. Let me be able to beat mix. (laughs) I was like, I, I remember actually in my bedroom, like, and I wasn't even that young. I'm like, please, that's all I want. Just let me. Be able to beat mix. Anyway, be careful what you wish for. As far as right. as far as getting one wish,
2: I don't know if that's the one you really want. I got that. I got that. I hey, served you well, mate. Yeah, it's um, well. Track six, a favorite song from an artist from your home county. Yeah, this one, okay, so the artist is an easy
0: choice because Leonard Cohen is he's he's uh, he's in my all-time top three. He might be all-time number one. Well, him, he's Bowie. In my, he's in my three. Yeah, he's in my three for sure. I mean, I have a constant. There's a constant. I don't know why I pit them against each other. That's stupid, childish. But him, Prince, Bowie, and Dylan are just duking it out all the time. But, but the one that I, I mean, the, I really love Leonard Cohen, and he's from Montreal. He grew up like a block away from me. We have very similar, well, the sim, I guess the similarity ends there, but, um, but yeah, I just, he, I wasn't into him at all as a kid. It started maybe, uh, 10 years ago, but yeah. we have some family friends and he actually sent me a birthday card before he passed away. And we, we got, yeah, yeah, we got to be, well, we, we're from we're very much same community and he knew my dad vaguely. He knew my mom kind of, and we have a lot of friends in common. Anyway, he's really like, he's from the same part of Montreal. It's quite a small place. So anyway, I just, I just rate him as a man and as a poet and as a thinker. He's just such a beautiful person and his songs are just incredible. So for me, they're more than songs. I guess they're like, I don't know. They're like, they really help you along in life. You know, you just, they're like, And they never run out of meaning. And he's so, oh God, I could just, I have a book, uh, which is all his interviews collected. It's like 500 interviews or whatever. And I just read them. I read them how some people, you know, those prayer beads that some people use for me, it's like, you just listen to Leonard talk and he just, he never puts a foot wrong. He's so patient and wise. And if I had to choose a song, I, I just go with Suzanne, which is, yeah even though it's kind of one of the more popular ones, I'm always trying to be a bit cooler. Like, Oh, I know the underground, but there's a reason it's popular. There's a reason exactly. And it's such, and it's, uh, it's, it has actually brought me to tears on occasion. And I saw him a bunch of times in concert and I mean, he's just, yeah. So I think Leonard Cohen's one of those things where a lot of people have an idea of him as whatever, something. uh, And a lot of people kind of don't, don't, listen to it or they wait too long but it's it's always there for you at some it's time in exactly your life exactly that it's you know what exactly i mean like at some tiger. point you can it, you can get into it and it'll
2: pay big big dividends in the uk in in the uh the early 80s there was a tv show a huge tv show called the young ones and uh and and it was just this landmark alternative comedy i don't know if you've ever heard of it or no um but um but it was huge and and, and there was this running joke in it that, you know, things were as boring as Leonard Cohen. And that was like, <laughs> all I knew about Leonard yeah. Cohen was like, oh, God, this guy must be so boring. And then when I first got my heart broken, when I was about 16, 17, someone went to me, listen to this. And it was, hey, that's no way to say goodbye. Oh, that's that that's in my top three. That, that, that's, and I was like, fuck, I what, know. What, why have I not been listening to Leonard Cohen? And then that was it like the floodgates opened and it was like
0: i know right. that that song our steps will always rhyme you know like oh yeah mate. i know it's crazy the uh but sometimes i think it's, it's actually kind of nice because you wait until you're ready in a way and then when yeah. when you're ready he's ready he, he's he's yeah. got you he's got you covered you know um yeah so there's a bunch i mean i could pretty much pick any of his songs but actually yeah. that uh hey that's no way to say goodbye is is top five for sure and uh, it's
2: uh, anyway. a heavy record But yeah, okay. anybody
0: listening Just just go grab a couple of Leonard Cohen records
2: Yeah, you, you will not be doing the wrong thing If you do that mm. it's, it's There's so much glorious beauty To be had there um, Tiga, I'm going to ask you to play DJ one more time uh, Sure And um, I want you to tell me a song That many may not know That you would like them to hear
0: Okay, yeah, this is a good question um, What did I put on my notes here? There was two. There oh, was yeah. Kate bush track. oh yeah oh yeah i put okay so well yeah well there's a kate bush record called under the ivy which i just it's one of my favorite songs ever and i don't know why i just i haven't come across it that often not as often as i think it should you know everyone knows running up that hill or our hounds of love i mean I, kate bush is just phenomenal she's just a force of nature and that song under the ivy is one uh again, it's just, I just think it's just so beautiful and uh, I get teary eyed again. Um, but I just haven't heard that many people mention it, I guess. But I, I wanted to switch over to, um, there's a band called Fingerprints. Do you know this band? Uh, I didn't, but I do know okay. it. Okay. So a a with a Z, isn't it? Yes, with a Z, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, which I guess at the time was a wild idea. But um, yeah, there's a band called Fingerprints. They're Scottish. I think they're from Glasgow. And this is just one of those... Weird, so this is a record I got from my dad. Um, and is, is a track called Wet Job. Uh, I don't know what that means. But uh, it's a band that I just it's one of those things where like, I've never really met someone else who loves them. I've never met someone else who was really familiar with them. And I think they're fantastic. Like they have a, an album called beat noir, which the whole album's amazing. And this track I always loved. And I always thought they were really, it's in a genre that I'm not, it's, it's a little bit like, it's a bit post-punk. Isn't yes, it? exactly. Exactly. Yes. It is kind yeah. of post-punk and which is not, not usually my, my, uh, my fort my forte whatever but i just i love them and i've always thought this is a good example of how you know you find some strange band you get quite attached to it and then sometimes you have no idea if they're even popular or not but i think they're going i want to give an honorary mention to pop itself because
2: oh we can talk about them because as
0: as okay so okay because i was obsessed with populate itself um, and outside of the uk I think they're quite unknown actually. I mean, they're, they're really, and it was really, they have like their own vibe going, you know, it was quite, yeah. but they were really influential. on I me, mean, like the graphic design, that was the first time I was exposed to the Designer's Republic. Uh, they were way ahead on all kinds of, the production was incredible. They were really like so many interesting samples. And uh, so there's a lot of I think they're just chronically underrated. I Massively I think it, underrated. They're just, you know, and I was always, and it's one, I think the reason is because there's something about them. They're a little bit goofy in a way. Like, mm. they, like, they don't have the cool factor lockdown. So I think a
2: lot of people. It was people, very cartoony, their look. Yes. You know, lots of, kinda, but then so many bands of that era were, it was lots of, car, you know, lots of dreadlocks, colored, you know, yeah, T-shirts the, and stuff and
0: Yeah. And some of it hasn't aged so gracefully. I mean, it's a tough sell now saying that there's like a white English guy with dreads and he's kind of speed rapping and, you know, it's, it's, there's some things that are, that are tricky, but anyway, uh, I think a really underrated band and, uh, what is it? The album Cure for Sanity is incredible. And they also had some weird kind of B-side records that were, there's one called The Fuses Have Been Lit, I think, which is really beautiful and just really smart use of sampling and, uh, yeah, and I think the guy, Clint Mansell, went on to be quite a big uh, producer. Like a, He's huge in, in movies and soundtracks yeah, and stuff. Yeah, so, yeah, huge, yeah. yeah. Right. So I was always a big – am I a poppy? Is that what they're called? Or, or the, the, oh, they were
2: called we're the poppies. We're poppies. Yeah, yeah, we're the poppies. <laughs> yeah, so and I like I think them. They, they were really important, and, and I think that that kind of moment that, that, that went from the prodigy experience to um, – duty generation i think pop itself yourself had a big impact on liam hallett around that time mm-hmm.
0: yeah it's it's for whatever reason there's a little chunk of uk music like emf and jesus jones and stuff that you really you, you barely hear nobody talks about it but
2: i do tega i've had them both on <laughs> you, my well, you're, the fir- you're the first like, person i, I met I was, <laughs> I was speaking to james from emf last week um, really? and, uh, and 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 ian from jesus jones the week before um, oh my that god okay period of music is so ignored. Yeah. Because in England we go from 1989, Hacienda Stone Roses, then we go straight to either grunge in '92 or we go straight to Britpop in '95. Yeah. That period yeah. where electronic music fused with guitars in them kind of early '90s with poppies, EMS. Yeah, it's so true.
0: It's so true. It gets ignored. And in England too, it's like, yeah. I mean, you know, you have the bands like like Stone Roses and. Well, Stone Roses, obviously, I mean, there's certain ones that really get a lot of airtime. I mean, deservedly. But yeah, you know what? Uh, well, you're probably the only person I'll ever meet where there's any relevance to even say this, but I, at an EMF concert in Montreal, I stage dove. I was the first, the first one up on the stage, which, which when I was, whatever, when I was 16 or something, it was quite a big, it might've been the first time I'd actually been on a stage. Yeah. It was, uh,
2: and, I, and it felt really good. I liked it. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. All right. Well, look, um, we, we, we spoke about clubbing earlier. And, and I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's a real privilege for me to speak to, to, to you today. And, and there's so many other DJs I'd love to speak to. But they've all spoke to you already. And mm. uh, so yeah. your podcast, man, it's, uh, it's a who's who, right? Yeah, it's been – well, it's – yeah. I
0: mean, I've had a lot of, uh, a lot of big DJs. And yeah, so yeah, I've really enjoyed it. I started the podcast. I mean, I have to say I'm a bit, I'm up and down on podcasting. I mean, there's some, I don't know if you feel like this. Sometimes I do it and I'm like, yes, this is, this really feels great. And, and there's other times I'm like, what am I, what am I doing? Just talking endlessly. Like, you know, like, I guess it's because well, I just talk a lot and I don't always like to hear my own voice so much, you know, but yeah, yeah. It, the show has been going really well and I've really enjoyed it. And you know, it's a simple kind of framework. I really based it a bit around desert Island discs, which I really yeah. love. God, I'm I love, a bit
2: guilty of that as well,
0: man. I lo- yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> I'm, she is the best. What's her name? Kristen Young or Chris, Christy Young. Young. She is. Yeah. I think she, she's like, for me, like her Conan O'Brien, Stephen Colbert like these they're like killers but she is so good anyway um you know other, you know
2: Kirsty's not doing it anymore I heard she
0: she got sick or something right or
2: I, I don't actually see it. Lauren Laverne's doing it now and, yeah uh, and yeah she's still good but Kirsty Young's voice oh I, man I had trouble I had some kind of weird allegiance that grew
0: between me and Kirsty Young. <laughs> like I had to stop
2: listening. I don't think you're alone there, man. No,
0: but anyway, yeah, the podcast is a lot of fun and, and people really seem to like it and I'm enjoying, I've talked to, yeah, I talked to Pete Tong. I just talked to Richard Russell this week, Benji B, Carl Cox, Kolsch, um, boys, noise, Errol Alkin. Yeah, it's been, it's a lot of fun. And like, you know, uh, the podcast format is amazing when you give people a chance to talk who never really talk. They never get to talk or they never get the time to explain it. And and behind every DJ or some DJs is an actual real human being. Yeah. <laughs> if if given the chance to communicate, you know. And it's been fun.
2: Tigger, I did not think when speaking to, to you today I'll be talking about alien sex being a stage diving as a poppy at an EMF concert. Mm. I'm still looking, I'm still, I'm still looking for like a populate itself t-shirt. There's so
0: many oh, things I man. never got. I, I wanted it all. And I lived in Canada and we had nothing. We had nothing. I was a member of the alien sex fiend fan club. It's an actual <laughs> fan club. I have, I have zines in my house. I have like, I think I have a badge and a button. And I remember you, I, I sent a $5 Canadian bill in the mail. Like I sent a, a, a bill in the mail.
2: <laughs> yeah oh, anyway wonderful. if you have any um, i got a, got any merch send it my way i've got a long sleeved red populi itself <gasps> uh in its um the sleeve the artwork is for Con one i believe oh uh, my god i need it <laughs> it's pretty badass man really.
0: i need that does it still fit you have you grown at all because i haven't uh, grown i haven't grown
2: well, the, the, the thing is like everything you wore back then was like three sizes too big anyway. I know. So like it's probably like a skinny fit on me now, but, um, Tiga, (sighs) thanks so much for your time, man. Thank you. Absolute joy chatting.
0: I really appreciate it. I really liked it. And it's a really nice, uh, it's great to meet someone who, where you like a lot of the same records.
2: It's fun. Absolutely. Okay, man. Take care, buddy. Thank you. Bye. There you go. What a great chat that was. And, uh, yeah, when uh, when we pressed stop we carried on talking and uh about some of that early early 90s indie stuff and and and, and the live scene in Montreal and and uh and some of the shows that that Tiga went to. Um yeah, absolutely wonderful chat. Um hope you had as much fun listening to that as I did recording it. Um thanks again to Tiga for giving up his time uh and chatting. Go and check out the podcast obviously. Uh and once you've you know you've you've listened to all of his then uh, Go and have a, a rummage in the uh, the archives of Off The Beaten Track and see if there's anything you might have missed or not listened to there as well. Best thing you can do, just subscribe. Subscribe to both of them. And then every time you uh, you look at your phone, you might get a little surprise, which is a brand new episode just popping up on your listening device. All right, I'm done. I've, uh, I've been speaking too long. Uh, I will be back next week. And if you can't wait that long, go and check out the Patreon because there's a bundle of stuff never released to the masses over there. You can find out about all of that at www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. I'm done. Stay safe. See you soon. Bye-bye. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing, www.sosclothing.co.uk. Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End-on-Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fair Wear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So, if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code, Beat fifteen B E A T one five and that'll save you fifteen percent off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk, Official sponsors of Off the Beat and Track Podcast It's Off the Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me Stew Whipping.
1: Eat it.